On today's question of faith, after communion, do we stand, kneel, and when do we sit? Everybody, I'm Mike Hayes. This is Question of Faith here in the Diocese of Cleveland. I'm the director of Young Adult Ministry here. I'm Father Damian Ferentz, Vicar for Evangelization. And I'm joining today, this is Brooke Uline, Communications Manager for the Diocese of Cleveland. Woohoo! It's great to have you on, Brooke. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, Brooke, this was actually your question. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit about what your experience has been with this. Sure. So. Well, I work downtown here at Cathedral Square Plaza. So, um, I ever since our offices came back, gosh, I guess a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, from being at home with the pandemic, I have been made it, you know, my best to go to noon daily mass at the cathedral. We are members at Holy Trinity Parish out in Avon. That's where my daughter goes mm. to school. And also at um, Sacred Heart Chapel in Lorraine. That is our family parish. It's a Hispanic parish. Can we be in? See? See, claro. And all three sort of do different things. Or you see parishioners or churchgoers, you know, sit, stand, and kneel at different times. Um, and so there's kind of lost some uniformity. And, and I just flash back to a few years ago um, where I think we were sort of more ingrained to, um, and I have no idea if this is truth or not, but in communion. So mm-hmm. everybody stands, you say prayers, you Yes, one posture pers- together as a community. Exactly, one posture together. That's beautiful. And then you just, you know, process down and you participate. And then when everyone has received, then you sat. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if it's just the pandemic or what, but now we're back to sort of like I'm standing, my husband's kneeling. Who knows what my eight-year-old's doing at this point? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just kind of like all over the place. She's so precious, first of all. <laughs> she is. Sweet Jordy girl. So if you're listening outside the Diocese of Cleveland, just to note, check your local listings because it may be different. You know, what we're about to say may be different from where you are. So we'll, we'll just, we just want to put that out there first and foremost. But so what do we do here? Yeah, I guess is the best question. It's important to keep in mind, too, that the bishop is the chief liturgist of each diocese. And so he has the authority and competency to have documents like the one that right. we're referencing today, and we'll we'll put it in the show notes, sure, yeah, right? Of, course, yeah. um, of what, of how our bishop currently and bishops previously have uh, asked us to participate liturgically in terms of our posture um, at mass. So, we do something in Cleveland that a lot of other dioceses don't surrounding us. And so when people come, they're like, why did you all stay stay uh, standing after you receive communion? That's so weird. We don't do that in our diocese. Well, we're a different diocese and we have a different practice here, uh, which has reasons for the being the practice that it is. So in a nutshell, here's what happens. Uh-huh. Back in 2002, I think, there was a new general instruction for the Roman Missal, which is uh, called the GERM. G-R-I-M, or some people call it the GERM, uh, if they're uh, brutish. Uh, No, but it's called the GERM. It's called the GERM. Or germ-phobic, maybe. Yeah. So the way that Bishop Pilla had understood this, along with his liturgical council, was that the way that we would celebrate the liturgy of the Eucharist in this diocese would be from the time of after the great amen, so 
uh, if you have kneelers in your church, you're kneeling through the great amen, then you stand for the Our Father. And then from that time on, until everyone's done receiving communion, everyone remains standing. So previously it was that you would return to the kneeling position for the Eche Agnus Day, behold the Lamb of God, and then depending on your parish, you would come up and receive communion and then go back to your pews and sit or kneel or stand um, at, right after you receive communion. So Bishop Pilla's interpretation of the general instruction of the Roman Missal was that everyone should remain standing until everyone has received. Mm-hmm. And then after everyone has received, then that's the time to sit or kneel and then take private prayer together. Because right. communion is for the community, and it's not the time for the individual um, to enter into private prayer, but we're receiving together. And then there is that time to do a prayer of reflection, thanksgiving Mm -hmm. afterwards. So Bishop Lennon kept to that policy. Uh, I know Bishop Perez reviewed it and kept to that policy and then actually uh, enforced it with the document that we're referencing today. Right. And up until this point, Bishop Molesic has held to the policy that the last three bishops uh, have promulgated or Mm -hmm. held. Right. That's a brief history mm-hmm. of things. Sure. Mm-hmm. So basically what we're saying is this, is that you, you have that after, after the Eucharistic prayer, when we say the great amen, we stand, we say the Our Father, we do the sign of peace, we, uh, then, then, all the, then the Lamb of God comes. And then in some places people kneel mm-hmm. after the Lamb of mm-hmm. God. That's, I'm from New York. Mm-hmm. That's what we did there, mm-hmm. right? And, but here we remain standing. Mm-hmm. And then we receive communion. We go out row by row, receive communion, right? And then when we come back to our seat, we don't kneel down or sit down. We stay standing and sing the communion hymn together. Mm-hmm. And then after everybody's received communion, then we all sit or, or kneel and have some private prayer time. And then let us pray, and then everybody stands again. Do I have that right? Or? You do. Okay. So I'm looking at the document now. Posture during Mass. Stand. After the great amen and remain standing after the Lamb of God and through the celebrant's reception of Holy Communion. And that footnote is 18, which is germ 43. So that comes right from the germ. This was not something that we made up here in Cleveland. Yeah, we ain't making this up, But it's the way that it's it's been interpreted and promulgated. The faithful remain standing during the distribution and reception of Holy Communion for the singing of the communion hymn. And then we have more footnotes there from germ 43, 86, germ 160, and some endnote 23. Uh, and this is 21. Standing for the singing of the communion hymn is the normative posture of the Catholic Church in the United States. However, this posture directive is not to be enforced so rigidly that those who wish to sit or kneel would not feel free to do so. Right. Mm-hmm. Always the loose language of Roman law. <laughs> yeah, so know? there's some flexibility in there. If it's killing you to stand after communion, right. then then you can't tell people they can't sit or kneel right. at this point. But Especially if you're old or you know, have bad knees or whatever. You or know? you just feel so profoundly moved, like, I want to kneel down right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you do think you. confusion, I guess this would be my follow-up question, though, is, is um, what is taking place? Like, sometimes there's a lot of cleaning or movement. And so, mm-hmm. again, I'll go back to my 8-year-old, right? Like, that's almost like a distraction. So she's, like, really tuned into like, well, who's moving the pieces parts? <laughs> right. 
And where, Around where does the, the purification altar. take place? Yeah. So, and so it's like, oh, you know, you're snapping your fingers or you're giving the gentle nudge or just the sharp eye look. Like, we're still praying. We're still in communion, you know? Right. So I don't know. Can you help sort of clarify that part? I think the first thing is that it's easy to be distracted by all sorts of other folks at Mass, even in earlier parts of the Mass. Yeah. Yeah, so right. to really focus and pray and listen to the the prayers and listen to the Scripture reading and enter into Christ giving himself to us at each and every Mass, body, blood, soul, divinity, in, in communion, and to enter into that, um, is it takes work. It's mm-hmm. not easy. And to avoid distractions is part of prayer sometimes. Like, I'm going to, okay, this distracts me, name it, and then put it off to the side and then stay focused. Mm-hmm. So the less distraction at Mass, the better. But I think part of the reason of this singing, even singing the hymn, entering into the hymn, okay, I've received communion. The, the hymn is supposed to be a prayer. And so those words, I mean, this is why we want to choose good hymns, good songs for Mass, so that we're entering into good theology um, and it's entering into us and it's a more uh, profound experience of what's happening there rather than I wonder what that server is doing or why is that priest doing that <laughs> and then during the time of purification most I think a lot of places they do that at the the, the credence table which is the table where all the things are mm-hmm. prepared um, some do it at the main altar but during that time that would be a, a time in in silence where you could or a communion reflection, enter into that that personal prayer, the prayer of thanksgiving, just sitting with Jesus and as he sits with you. Mm-hmm. you know? I'm thinking yeah. about, you know, the distraction part. A lot easier maybe for us, a lot harder for your eight-year-old. Yeah. yeah. Right? You know, yeah. and, and so we sort of, so the church, you know, does all things not only in terms of prayer, just to, to open us to prayer, but, but also practically speaking, right? You know, okay. Let's fill this space so that mm-hmm. people have something to do so that they are not distracted by things, mm-hmm. you know, so that they can mm-hmm. kind of enter into this more easily. And so maybe it's easier for an eight-year-old to focus on singing while she's standing yeah. as opposed to just standing there, right? right? So we sing together. Yeah. Um, and then when people are, are purifying, okay, this is the time where you, you kneel down and, and you offer pride. Maybe close your eyes, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe mm-hmm. enter and tell Jesus how much you love him at this point, <laughs> right? You know, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. Um, to make it easier for people to not be to, to distracted. And look, I'm you know bright shiny object. You know, it's it's <laughs> over here. You know, I'm I'm looking all over the place. You know, if, if left to my own devices, right. And so I'm always thankful for the things that are you know instructive. Maybe and I think people need more instruction, not less, most of the time. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. I yeah. think a l- there's two things that are going on that need to be held in tension. One is. You want to do things well and you want order That's right. and you, you want to be reverent and follow a particular rule in the ritual, right? And at the same time, you want to leave room for the Holy Spirit to be at work. Um, so I, even in preparing homilies, I write about 85% of the homily and that 15% is the Holy Spirit working through me, hopefully as I'm preaching or I mm-hmm. see something or something else comes up, you know? Mm-hmm. So in the same way, you can have... Uh, like a perfectly reverent, ordered mass uh, that that looks beautiful and half the people aren't actually praying. They're just doing exactly the right thing mm-hmm. that they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say that order and beauty is right and it's good, but they're also, I think, in the church's understanding of things. So we're looking for 
uniformity, but in having uh, in the footnote an exception for someone who is moved to kneel down or or to sit down yeah. uh, when everyone else is standing, we we can accommodate that too, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, whatever makes it easier for you to pray. You know, a friend of mine who was a liturgist used to say, look, if your inner disposition calls you to do something else, go do that. You know, pray as you can, not as you can, Mm -hmm. which we say here all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. if it makes it easier for you to pray when you're kneeling, well, then kneel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't worry about what somebody else is doing. Part of the philosophy here is that communion is a time for the whole community to experience communion with Jesus Christ. Not only individually and not privately, but personally and personally also and communally. So those, those are two things. So um, as Catholics, we were, our relationship with Jesus is never, it's never private. It's always personal, but open to communion too, right? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously there's some things that you don't share with everyone else, but what I mean is this isn't just me and Jesus time because we're at mass and everybody's here. So it's my, yeah, I could have personal prayer, um, but it's always part of a context of communion too, holy communion with Christ himself, but also the body of Christ. Because the church documents say that Christ is present in the word and in the blessed sacrament, right? Real mm-hmm. presence, but also in the community that's gathering in the priest that's there. And we're part of that community and we want to experience his presence there too. The best way I've heard this explained, I, I think most people don't understand what you just yeah. said, right? Yeah. Most people think it's just me and Jesus because we're very sort of uh, individualistic maybe. You know, I, I, I have to get my communion. I, I've heard mm-hmm. people say that, right? Well, and mm-hmm. I think too as a mother, right, and she's she's in that realm, she, you're, you're constantly teaching. I don't know a mm. better word to say. Yeah. Like that's – that's what we want her, I guess, to a point to understand when she's going up to receive for the first time, right. you know, that she understands that point and isn't missing, yeah. like, no, we're not just doing this, like, the McDonald's drive through you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So right. I don't want to yeah. stop you, you know, but that's, no, you're good. Yeah. that is, you know, at some point I feel like, well, man, am I just drilling in the wrong no, wrong thing. I just think you know? nuance. So when your daughter goes up for communion, she is receiving Jesus, body, blood, soul, divinity in that host. Mm-hmm. But so is mom and so is dad. And so are our neighbors and friends who are in here. We're doing this together. So it's philosophy. It's the one and the many. So mm-hmm. yes, I am involved here. And there is Jesus coming to me and I am coming up to him. But I'm doing that in the midst of community. Mm-hmm. And mass is a communal celebration and liturgy. And it's many voices and we're responding and the priest and the people. So it's there is a, a definitely a personal aspect to it that cannot be denied. That becomes problematic. But there's also a communal aspect that she is now part of a Christian community. Just like mm-hmm. at baptism... If you read the catechism, sin is washed away. That's an important part Mm -hmm. of baptism. Original sin is washed away. But then there's three paragraphs, I think, in the catechism that talk about entering into the community that is the church. Mm. Because that's part of being a Christian, too. It's not just me and Jesus and my own salvation, but now I've entered into the the body of Christ. I'm part of... part of Jesus's bride now, Mm -hmm. you know? There's more to me because I'm part of a greater whole. Mm -hmm. And this... 
yeah, this is yeah. God's family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not just her and Jesus, but now I'm part of a new family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. communion connects us to Christ, right? But it doesn't just connect us to Christ. It connects us to everyone who's ever received from this table. It connects us to the disciples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it connects us to our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our great-great-grandparents. Yeah, bef- all those things. Before, right? yeah. before the Holy Holy, the Sanctus, let's join the angels and yeah, saints. Right. So at every Mass, they're there too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. All surrounding the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But this is not just about me and Jesus. It's about all of us. So that's the kind of thinking that I think went into this idea that's of right. standing throughout the communion rite to remind ourselves, yes, Jesus is coming to me, body, blood, soul, divinity, in the Eucharist. But also, yes, at the same time, I am part of a God's family, this church, and I'm also seeing God coming to all my brothers and sisters here, and we're in this together, you know? Mm-hmm. So there is communion on a few levels there, mm-hmm. right? And it's yeah. not to diminish in That's any right. way the real presence of Jesus. It actually highlights it mm-hmm. because of what he does to build the bonds in the community we call church. Right. Mm-hmm. Easy way to remember it, sing the song. We are one body, one body in Christ, and we do not stand alone. Oh, I was going to sing second verse. We are one body, one body in Christ, and he came that we might have life. For Gen Xers, that's the World Youth Day theme song, yeah. and that gives me chills. Yeah, yeah, that was actually, that was my, um, the, at my first Mass of Thanksgiving, that was a communion hymn. Yeah. Yeah, we do not stand alone. I love that yeah. song. Yeah, and then then after, and this is the the point that you brought up. So when when do we sit or when do we kneel? And here in this document, it says that after everyone is received, so after everyone is eaten, right, uh-huh. communed with the living God, then at that point, what? And that's like Eucharistic hospitality. Okay, we're not gonna we're gonna wait till everyone's received. Then we can kneel down and take our prayer together. And then the priest or the deacon can go to the tabernacle and repose the blessed sacrament. Um, and that's where it gets tricky yeah. because even here at the cathedral, we wait until the blessed sacrament's put in the tabernacle and then everybody goes down. Mm-hmm. So that kind of varies from mm-hmm. church to church regardless of what's mm-hmm. in this yeah. document, mm-hmm. right? It seems more natural to me to do it that way, right? You know, like we're all standing and now, and now the person gives them reserves – Closes the tabernacle, and then it's sort of like it's a signal. Now, now you yeah, sit down. Okay. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you have the deacon. You can't see me now, but I'm doing this with hands, like no, go, or or the priest, like <laughs> no, you yeah. can sit. So yeah. yeah, it seems more natural to do it. That was a natural signal. Okay, this is concluded. Blessed sacraments in the tabernacle. Now we take our private time, mm-hmm. um, or personal time, or yes. yeah, prayer time. Yeah. You know what I mean. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As soon as you hear the tabernacle click, I used to say, <laughs> everybody sits. <laughs> it's like yeah. snap, you know. I should say this too, that in a smaller community like a seminary or like daily yeah. mass, staying standing doesn't mean you're standing for maybe a minute. But in a huge liturgy, yeah. like the chrism mass or an ordination, right. you could be standing for 20 minutes and you get tired. <laughs> That's right. I know that. I kind of lean against something. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Put my arm on my wife, you know, <laughs> so hold me up for a couple seconds here, will you? Yeah. This um, is super helpful. Good. Thank you. Good. Yeah. 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 And, and I would say, you know, lead by example, mm-hmm. right? You know, your, mm-hmm. your kid's going to follow what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, mom, oh, mom and dad are doing this. So I guess that's what I do, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's, it's true with everything, right? I've, yeah. I've also seen some people, they say, after I receive communion, I just, I do want to do like a little prayer of thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And then, then they stand up and join the hymn after that, yeah. you know? I've yeah. seen that so too. Yeah. Don't yeah. be so legalistic that your legalism keeps you from praying. Like the whole point of this is communion with Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. 
Okay, so uh, speaking of Mass, when we go to Mass, it's uh, going to be uh, Divine Mercy Sunday, and so the gospel is Doubting Thomas. I think Thomas gets a bad rap. Why is that? Well, I think you're right. The disciples are all locked in the upper room, but then they say <laughs> Thomas is not present. So was he the only one who had the guts to leave? You know, who walk out and say, "Look, I don't care what the Romans do to me. I'm going. I'm getting out of this room. I'm tired of hanging around with you losers. I'm going out here now." Right? Yeah. You know, or it could be the other way. Right? We take it more negatively. Thomas is the one who gave up and said, "Look, you know, it's sort of like Peter says in another version of the gospel. I'm going fishing. You know, I always say the saddest words in all of Scripture. I'm going mm-hmm. fishing." Goes back to his former life and says, this is it. It's over. There's nothing else is going to happen here. Let's just go back to what we were doing before because we've got to make a living. Um, So, you know, I don't know which one it is, but I tend to go toward the Thomas is brave enough to get up and walk out of that room. One of the thoughts I have on Doubting Thomas is, did he actually put his fingers into Jesus' side? Because he's invited, Mm. but we don't know if he actually did. And the reason we think is, I think it's the Caravaggio painting where he's doing it. It's kind of like... St. Paul doesn't tell us he was on a horse and fell. We just presume he did. We don't know there were three magi. We know there were three gifts. Mm. So artists have presented these things in such ways where, where it's gotten on our head. Oh, yeah, he put his finger into his side. But if you read the gospel carefully, we don't know if he did. We know he was invited. Did he have to? Or was he like, seeing's enough? Who knows? You know. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, so pay attention to the gospel this week. Uh, Divine Mercy Sunday. Celebrate the mercy of God this week as well. You know, Divine Mercy Sunday. And then our church church is uh, St. Joseph in Avon Lake. There's a new young adult group there called uh, Quo Vadis. Oh. Uh, it's sort of an offshoot of the Catching Fire group that is, you know, so Grapevine, Catching Fire, those are all offshoots of each other. Grapevine is at St. Luke's in Lakewood, uh, Catching Fire at St. Columkill in Parma. And so now this is Quo Vadis, so they're trying to make it easier for people who are in their neck of the woods to not have to travel as far to go to a young adult discussion group That's each week. Cool. So Excellent. they're cool folks. All right. Well, we've wasted another good 20 minutes listening to us. It's <laughs> great to have you on, Brooke. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for your question. And uh, if you have a question, you can email those here to uh, mhays at org here at the Diocese of Cleveland. So this has been Question of Faith, and we'll catch you all again next time. 